0: Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. Friday weekend edition, which would normally be a weekend review, but we have only one day of basketball to review. So this Friday show is going to be a little bit different than the others. It's not any kind of new format we're going to demo and then try again. This is really a one-off as one-offs go, this Friday weekend show is really going to be more about homework. And I know starting a podcast by telling listeners you're going to give them homework is just the number one way to get somebody to tune out. But you guys, I think, have listened, most of you, I assume, long enough to know that when I say homework, I mean, here's what we're going to study. Here's the fantasy stuff we want to watch for because yesterday, Thursday, because I know some of you might be listening to this show either on Saturday or Sunday. On Thursday night, 14 teams came out of the All-Star break, leaving, you guys can do the math, 16 teams that didn't. Everybody else will play, I think, tonight, actually. It's nine games, 18 teams in action, couple teams on back-to-back. I think you knock out everybody by the end of the night, but if not, certainly by, by Saturday. And... I could go through and count it up, but it's sort of not really the point of this discussion. What we're going to do on today's show is, first, we'll review Thursday's action. What did we learn from these 14 teams coming back out of the break? And then, pivot into a weekend in preview, as opposed to a week in review. So we're going to talk about the other 16 teams that are playing over the weekend, and frankly, we can talk about all of them, Friday, Saturday games, I don't care, we'll, we'll go through, just to make sure we know what we're watching for with each of the teams coming out of the break, because there are some balls in the air right now. Guys coming back from injury, some of it happened on Thursday, guys that didn't make it back from injury, other dudes that are questionable out of the blue. Looking at you, Bron. And that'll kind of be the overarching theme on today's show if you guys enjoyed our way too early look at who might get over and underdrafted next season what'll it mean probably nothing just something to file into the back of the it's not a rolodex anymore the deepest archives of your brain because when we circle back through the offseason this is the type of stuff we need to remember what happened early this season what happened late this season nobody remembers what happens in the middle of the season people remember their the fast start or the fast finish That's a bit off topic. Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today, everybody. I'm Dan Bespris, your host. Your gracious, your ghost host. I think that's from the Haunted Mansion. At Dan Bespris, D-A-N-B-E-S-B-R-I-S. Give me a follow on Twitter, because we talk a lot over there. Things, Especially over the weekend. I'm not doing a show Saturday or Sunday. We come back with a Monday... Reverse chronological lightning round episode. Uh, but there's a lot that goes on Friday, later in the day, Saturday, Sunday, all day. First thing Monday morning, whatever. That's what we accomplish on social media. So hopefully I will see you over there at Dan vespers Discourse Sports Ethos presentation, SportsEthos.com and Ethos Fantasy BK. Today, I am going to hit you with only one advertisement. It's for our buddies over at Manscaped. I'm going to drop it somewhere in the middle of the podcast. Our host provider is going to throw some canned ads in there. I'm not going to control those. But this is a Friday for Sports Ethos promo. So we're going to start the podcast after I already told you what we're going to be talking about today. We're going to start the actual show by me reminding all of you guys once again that Ethos Fantasy BK is the preeminent fantasy news feed on planet Earth. Is it the fastest it's damn well the fastest with analysis. Nobody comes close to the speed that those guys get blurbs out with analysis on the side. You're not left to just take the data and try to pile it all into a... Into a I know I earlier in the week, I, was that yesterday? I can't remember what day things happened. My little rant on the sites that don't provide any analysis and also don't link to the person who gave the information... There is a little bit of a plagiarism thing going on there. It's not quite there. It's very much in a gray area. Provide something, some sort of value add, other than just aggregating. Thank you, Ethos Fantasy BK, for doing that. You guys should all follow them immediately. I have some more ethos and self-promo type stuff coming up later in the podcast, but I want to dive in first thing. What happened on Thursday night? Because a bunch of teams came out of the break, and the first thing I noticed was that a lot of teams had trouble shooting free throws. One of the things I like to look at coming out of the break is whether there might be some unders at play. And there were a few. It wasn't overwhelming, though. You know, you look for the teams that might be a little bit rickety coming out of the break. Cleveland missing a bunch of guys. That one ended up right on the closing line of 209. It went under the opening line. Boston-Brooklyn went over, which is not that surprising because Brooklyn can't defend anybody. Atlanta-Chicago went under. Doesn't matter. We're going to go through this one by one. In any event, Cleveland in Detroit, missing Darius Garland, missing Karis Levert, got Lowry Markkinen back, which is nice. He scored 22 points in the ballgame, so he's definitely a fire-it-up guy. I just, I don't know how this team generates enough offense without Garland and without Lavert. I'm sorry to Rayjean Rondo. He's going to pass first as your starting point guard, and Brandon Goodwin was decent off the bench, but there really wasn't a notable fill-in. Rondo 12-9, and 9, I guess that's usable. I think we probably see Garland for the next ballgame. It sounds like he's dealing with a back thing that they're just going to kind of have to monitor the rest of the way. Cleveland plays again on Saturday. They host the Washington Wizards. I think the hope was that they could beat Detroit even without him. But without Levert now for, I think the the prognosis is one to two weeks with a foot sprain, Cleveland's got to figure, they got to get something going. So and Jared Allen, Evan Mobley, those are your guys to use right now. I don't know that I would extend any farther than that. Even though I'm looking, could Chetty Osmond step in? No, Rondo, meh. Brandon Goodwin, could he overtake Rondo as the starting point guard? He was okay one other time. Blech. Detroit, one of those teams where about half the guys looked well-rested, and the other half looked well-rested. Hamadou Diallo came out hot. He had 21, but 21 minutes. You can't expect that to happen again. Cade was pretty good. Didn't shoot the ball well, but he should have a decent finish. Isaiah Stewart was in early foul trouble, so Marvin Bagley got some extra run, and he's borderline useful in, like, 16-team point leagues, but that's about it. Corey Joseph, I don't know why they're insisting on playing him half the ball game and not Killian Hayes. And then Sadiq Bey, who was so good going into the break, just ice cold coming out of it. But a lot of that stuff is going to level off. So don't read too much into any of this. The Detroit guys that are trustworthy are Cade Cunningham and Jeremy Grant and sometimes Sadiq Bey. He's the, he's the one that's sort of on the border, but probably yes. Isaiah Stewart's been playing a little better, but his minutes are not guaranteed. Kelly Olynyk, Marvin Bagley, all those guys are kind of waiting in the wings, try to get their hands on a few of those minutes. And then Hamadou Diallo is, you know, you catch lightning in a bottle if you happen to start him for this ball game, congrats, but it's not going to be like this in 21 minutes every ballgame. You just can't bank on that. And that's what we learned from those first two teams. So this is, you know what? Today's show is actually going to be like a prelude to the reverse chronological lightning on Monday because we're going to talk about all 30 teams today. And then we're going to talk about all 30 teams on Monday again. Boston beat Brooklyn. Zero surprises in this one. The starters for Boston were all very good. Um, Was hoping Time Lord would get a couple defensive stats. We'll just have to suffer without them for a day. And a Derek White. 13-5-3 in and and only 20 minutes. He'll be fine. It was a blowout. Minutes were a little weird. Same story on the Brooklyn side in terms of blowout numbers. Uh, but Brooklyn is... is. We're not going to have any idea what this team is until guys start coming back. Seth Curry's a start. Andre Drummond, 11-6, and a steal and a block. I think he's startable as the starting center. LaMarcus Aldridge had been startable as the backup center, but now all of a sudden Nick Claxton got back into the mix with 11 minutes in this one. There wasn't foul trouble. In fact, the centers for Brooklyn had zero fouls in this game. Aldridge, Drummond, Claxton, all zeros. Pretty remarkable, actually. James Johnson had five. He took care of that for the rest of those guys. But Drummond's a start. Aldridge makes me a little bit nervous if he's really going to be losing playing time to Claxton. And if this becomes a three-headed monster then I don't know that any of them stay above the line. When Claxton was getting DNPs, Aldridge and Drummond were both usable. I think you hang on to both for now, see how this thing plays out. But knowing that Kevin Durant, Ben, I mean, you could see Ben Simmons play small ball five at a certain point. He might wipe all of these guys out. And then Kyrie's going to play when they're on the road. We also heard... New York might be eliminating their vaccine mandate in the not too distant future, so you might start to see Kyrie at home games as well. Things are about to get real weird. I'm not, you know, Patty Mills had a terrible ball game, but I don't think you can I don't think you can try with some of these guys. Bruce Brown had a good one. I wouldn't worry about it. You know, Kyrie will play and he'll blow up everybody that's not Seth Curry in the backcourt or on the wings. Simmons and Durant coming back, that probably carves a bit into the power forward, center minutes even. I think there's a very real case to be made that within like the next week and a half, the Nets are gonna be KD, Simmons, Kyrie, and Seth Curry and nobody else on your fantasy team. So get what you can out of it. But if something pops up on the waiver wire, and there wasn't a whole lot of that today to talk about in terms of like I don't I don't have like a go grab guy. I've got one for later on, uh as we work our way through this card. And so, you know, if if one of those Brooklyn centers, if that's the guy you need to drop to go do it, I'm actually okay with it because I think that arrow is pointed down for all those guys. Trey Young needed either a much shorter all-star break or a much longer one. This is about as cold as he's ever going to be. Terrible game. Hawks almost won it anyway. I don't even really know how. How was this that close? Nothing adds up in this one. Clint Capella, good ball game. He's been much better with John Collins out. DeAndre Hunter got hurt as well. Uh, Not a big one. Actually, I think he might have been just an illness. I think he came out partway through because he was feeling under the weather. Whatever it is, it's a small deal. But that really opened things up for our guy Gallinari, who I streamed going into the All-Star break. And then when we found out that Collins wasn't ready, I picked him back up again in some roto spots and streamed him for this one. And that worked out relatively well, although the fact that Gallo missed two free throws tells you what an all-star break can do to people. Bogdan, Gallo, Capella, Trey, obviously, in the current iteration of the Hawks. If Hunter plays in the next one, that probably takes a chunk out of the Gallinari bucket. When John Collins comes back, that takes a ton out of the Gallinari bucket. And then Aniko Kongwu is this sort of like waiting in the wings. Could they maybe move Capella in the offseason kind of deal, but that's very much looking towards next season. All right, I think that pretty much clears up that one. Zach Levine came back, and Kobe White turned into a pumpkin. Go ahead and move on from Kobe. He's the easiest drop of the night, no question. Someone that was playing really well going into the All-Star break that isn't anymore. DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, Zach Levine, Ayo Dasunmu. Those are the four guys on the Bulls you should be starting right now. Memphis lost in Minnesota, shot 39%. That's another team that really needed a bit more time in the All-Star break. They lost us by taking 40 free throws in this ballgame. Yowza, that's a lot of foul shots. Um, and yet, Minnesota was able to overcome it. They just shot the ball a lot better. 16 three-balls for the Timberwolves. Only two for the reigning three-point champion, Carl Anthony Towns. In terms of what did we learn? Nothing. In this ball game, nothing we didn't already know. JJJ came out of the break with a good ball game. Zaire Williams played well, but I don't care. De'Anthony Melton came out of the break with a good ball game. Start him. John ja Morant slowed in this one. You know we did that piece on Jaw as potential overdrafts. It's really weird to look at a 28 and four line with three defensive stats and say, mm, like that really wasn't that great. Desmond Bain came out of the All-Star break cold. Brandon Clark came out of the All-Star break very cold at the free-throw line, but everything else was fine, and his 23 minutes was a good look. So I like the Melton. I like the Clark opportunity, and that's all I care about. On the Minnesota side, I don't know what the hell happened to Anthony Edwards over the All-Star break. He'll obviously be better in the next one, but Minnesota's back in start-the-starters town. Jerry Vanderbilt fouled out in 28 minutes, but really nice to see him get back up to 12 rebounds. I have a feeling it's going to be a nice stretch run for Vanderbilt. He looked tired going into the break. He gets all of his fantasy value by hustle. There's only so much hustle you've got before you run out of gas. Patrick Beverly syndrome. He gets hurt. Younger guys just run out of gas. Beverly, who doesn't love a Pat Bev line? 13-3-4, 4-3s, 2 steals. Malik Beasley had 17 points, but nobody cared. And D'Angelo Russell, big game out of the break. Now, the next ballgame is one where I think we did have some interesting valuation changes in the somewhat shorter term. First of all, Phoenix beat the crap out of Oklahoma City, which, again, like, here's the thing. Suns are still going to be good without Chris Paul. They might not win the close ones as often, but they're going to play above themselves to cover for CP3, at least for a little bit here. Then they'll go through a bit of a lull, and then they'll come out towards the playoffs, and hopefully they'll have Paul back by that point. I'm kind of rooting for the Suns. I know I'm a Laker fan, but I'm kind of rooting for the Suns. Lakers are dog-do. It's, they're not going to make it. I've accepted that. So I've already... I'm, i got to pick, like, the second team I'm going to care about. I know everybody hates Chris Paul, but I love him because he's won me so many fantasy titles lately. So I, I'm kind of rooting for the Suns. All right. So what do we make of the situation without Chris Paul? First... Cam Johnson started at shooting guard, and Devin Booker bumped down to point guard, where he was fantastic, admittedly against one of the worst defenses in the NBA, but he was fantastic. 25 points, 12 assists, six steals for Booker. He just went full CP3 in this ballgame. Cam Johnson, someone that needs to be started in the very short term. Mikel Bridges is going to have a really nice role with Chris Paul out. He's going to have to be doing more. Jay Crowder, this will be one of his bigger games. You know, he'll get some threes, he'll get his steals, he'll do what he was doing before, and maybe a tiny bit more, he might push himself to someone that you could kind of trot out there in head-to-head leagues from now until the end of the year and be okay with it, like, you know, top 115, 125 range. I don't know that I would trust him in Roto every game the rest of the way, unless you were targeting steals. Maybe threes, you know, he'll go average in rebounds, but that's... Like, this is the high-water mark. You can sell Jay Crowder, you should do it, but you probably can't, so don't worry about it. The more interesting thing here is that Aaron Holiday, and I I didn't get in a Twitter fight about it, but I weighed in. I swung my, my midsection into the discussion and said, look, when Cameron Payne is healthy, he's the starting point guard. And... Some folks said it was going to be Aaron Holiday, it was going to overtake him, and I said, I really don't think that's going to be the case because Holiday doesn't really know this team's half-court offense, and Payne does. It's just a familiarity thing. Forget who might be better. We're at a juncture, not only in the season, but for a, a particular team, the aspirations of this Suns team is not to just figure out who might be the better player in a vacuum, but who's the better fit. And Payne's the better fit. He might be back in the next game or two, and maybe all of this changes again. In the short term, I don't think you need to start Aaron Holiday. He shot five for five in this ballgame. This line would have been much worse if he shot his career mark from the field. Then you're talking about six points, probably five assists and a steal. No thank you. When Payne comes back, I think he probably does get the starting point guard job and push Cam Johnson back to that sixth-man gunner role. But we'll see. It's possible that Payne is the gunner off the bench, but I do think that he slots back in front of Aaron Holiday. So if you got Holiday, you can stream him if you want. It's not going to be this good most games. This is more of a high watermark for him, 25 minutes and making all of his shots. I'd be more inclined to just put Cameron Payne in your IL for whatever it is, one game, two games, three games, four max probably. And then as soon as he's good to go, you bring him into the mix because he has the chance to get six assists per ballgame. He has the chance to play enough to get 13, 14 points a game on a really, really good team. That's helpful. You know who I think is going to suffer with the Chris Paul stuff? I think JaVale McGee is going to suffer and DeAndre Ayton is going to suffer. If you don't have Chris Paul running that pick and roll with the big guys, you're just not going to get the same looks. We'll see though. We'll see. I don't think it's good for those guys and I don't think I'm wrong about that. But uh, we'll find out. Denver-Sacramento, no massive surprises on the Nuggets side. One thing I'd love to see is Monte Morris becoming consistently more aggressive. I don't think it's ever going to happen, or at least not this season. He'll have a good game here and there. He's always going to be efficient, but he's a no-upside play. And on the Sacramento side, the big question I asked on Twitter was, hey, if all of the wings, meaning shooting guard and small forward effectively is what I'm classifying as the wing here. And I'm not actually including Harrison Barnes in that mix for whatever reason. I'm just not. Barnes to me gets pushed up and ends up playing a bunch of power forward anyway. So it's like Mo Harkless, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, Dante DiVincenzo, and Davian Mitchell. If all of those guys are healthy, I can't imagine any of them actually holds on to fantasy value. There's just too much cannibalizing of each other's minutes and opportunity. We need probably two of those guys to be out for any one of the other ones to stick. And some of you guys tried to tell me on Twitter that I, sh- that I was undervaluing Dante DiVincenzo, and I said, nay, no, he's not. He doesn't shoot the ball well. His free throw percentage is not as great. It's up a little bit this year, but he just, you know, he doesn't do enough. His best days were going to be alongside three stars in Milwaukee, not in Sacramento. Warriors, they're a no-surprises team at this point. Clay Thompson starting to get his touch. Minutes limit lifted to 30 officially for Clay, although he was getting up there before the break anyway. So that's a whole lot of nothing. And then on the Portland side, there was a big question coming into the ballgame, which was who was actually going to play center for the Blazers? Drew Eubanks got the start. We knew Trendon Watford, who had recently signed a four-year deal that kicks in at the end of this season, if I'm not mistaken. He was going to potentially slide up, see some center minutes. Justice Winslow might see a few center minutes. The thought, of course, and Greg Brown, possible. My thinking is that none of these guys was really going to own the job. That if Eubanks is having a good ball game, he'll play a little bit more on a given night. If Watford's having a good game, he'll play more on a given night. And we kind of react from there. You know, Anthony Simons, Josh Hart, Justice Winslow, these guys are safe right now. But with Nurkic out for a while, the hope was that maybe someone could emerge on Portland that could, I don't know, go get a rebound. But maybe it's just going to be Josh Hart at the end of the day. Friends, I don't do this often, but today's the time. I need to walk you through leaving a five-star review on Fantasy NBA Today. I beg of you. Many of you are newer listeners, sort of post-All-Star break crew. And if you're among those new listeners, I would ask you please take 45 seconds to drop a five-star review on Fantasy NBA Today, either on iTunes or on Spotify. I think those are the two places that can take reviews at this point and it's so so easy if i tell you exactly how to do it if i don't tell you how to do it it's actually kind of convoluted and weird if you're on itunes on a computer that's the easiest way because there's a podcast tab you can navigate to it's up or, over on that like middle upper right area search for fantasy nba today you click on the show and then there's a rate and review button so that one's pretty straightforward and simple if you're on a mobile device which i think most of us are at this point the podcast app is where you start. You go to the search button on the bottom right, type in Fantasy NBA, and then the letter T, and the show will come up as a suggested option. Search for it. And then don't click on a, an episode. Don't click into the show. You want to click on the big logo that comes up up top. That'll take you to the show page within the podcast app. And from there, if you scroll all the way to the bottom... That's where you can leave the five star review. So please, and Spotify, I actually don't even know how you do it. So if you're listening on Spotify, you're on your own. But please do drop a five star review. We're at 760, so we did get another handful over the last week or so. Some of you taking time over the break to do it. I really appreciate that. Gunning for 775. See if we can do that before the season's over. That's only 15 more. I know there's way more than 15 of you listening that haven't done it. Especially some of you new folks that found me through Twitter. I hope you're enjoying the podcast so far. Uh, we do this five days a week, year-round, off-season included. Drop that five-star review. It would mean the world to me, at Dan Vespers, Thank you in advance. Turning our attention towards the weekend now, it's important that we figure out what our moves are. This is what prep is all about. Figure out your moves in advance. So let's look at the slate tonight. Most of the teams will knock out tonight. What are we watching for on these teams playing tonight and through the weekend? San Antonio? Not much, actually. We had a pretty good feel, I think, for what that team was going to be as they hit the All-Star break after the trade deadline. Devin Vassell moving into the starting lineup was a big deal. Jakob Pertl... DeJounte Murray, guys that we expected to do stuff were doing stuff. So that's an easy one, and we can probably just sh- kind of shuffle along from there. The Wizards remain anybody's guess. Thomas Bryant is back dinged up again. He's questionable for this ballgame. If Bryant sits, and Christopher Singus sounds like he's not playing, he's uh, nearing three-on-three work in practice. So he's probably still a game or two out, maybe more then Daniel Gafford might actually have a little bit of staying power. And when I say a little bit, I really do mean a little bit. But if we can squeeze, oh, I don't know, even two or three games out of it, to me that'd be worthwhile. Because Gafford, without other options, would be truly delightful. The problem I've had with Gafford over the last, I don't know, two months, has been the intense competition at every turn. But if Bryant is down, that almost guarantees him 20 minutes, and we know in 20 minutes Andrew Gafford's a top 85 guy. So there's a possibility of something there. Denny Avdia is another name to watch on the Wizards. I don't think he's going to turn the the proverbial uh, usage corner this year. But you can see the outlines. We talked about this a bunch of times. You can see the outlines of fantasy game with him. Some boards, some steals, some blocks, some assists. Not a ton of threes. Free throw percent has actually been pretty good lately overall on the year. Not as great. Field goal percent, not that great. And that's going to be the stuff that holds him down over a longer sample size, or a larger sample. But the rebounds are nice. The steals, the blocks, a couple of threes. There's an outline there, and I, I really do wonder if he might tap into it a bit between now and the end of the season. I'm not going to make the move, though. I'm not going to make the move unless we see something substantial. And then the point guard spot. I was willing to buy in on Aul Neto going into the break, and then that last game before the break, Neto only played 20 minutes, and Ish Smith came off the bench for 28. The great flip-flop. But if we find out that Neto is still starting here after the break, if there was no adjustment to the the real rotations, like provided the starting lineup is not getting trounced and the Wizards need to go to their bench unit to get back into a ball game, I think Neto could sit right around that 110, 115 range. And that's startable really in all formats, standard leagues. Even Roto. 110 is startable in Roto. Especially if you're behind in games played. That's more than useful. Especially and also. Now, double especially, it's an especially, especially with, you know, guys like Chris Paul going down. Teams are going to be scraping for assists right now. We saw Oklahoma City play already, but I am curious what goes on there. Oh, we didn't even talk about OKC. I got so caught up in the other side of that game. We forgot to talk about the Thunder. Uh, So the Thunder, Shea Gilgis Alexander came back. I'm sure a lot of you were yelling at your podcast. Dan, you skipped right over Oklahoma City. Uh, Shea came back. And went big, not surprisingly. Took as much of the usage as his body could handle. Josh Giddy now takes a step back with Shea once again in the driver's seat. And then everybody else is a crapshoot. Trey Mann happened to have a slightly better ball game off the bench with four steals. That helped float his line. Alexey Pokushevsky played 19 minutes. Isaiah Roby, 25, off the bench. Derek Favors got the start against a bigger Phoenix team. Oh, boy. Your safe bet right now? Shea and Giddy, and just abandon ship on everything else. Do they rest Gilgis Alexander on back-to-backs? We'll find out. Do they shut him back down again at some point between now and the end of the season? Maybe. Josh Giddy's 30-minute limit was not in effect. He played 37 minutes against Phoenix on Thursday night. I'd love to tell you to hang on to any one of these other guys, like Pokoshevsky as kind of a project play, or Baisley because he was pretty good for two weeks there, but I don't think they're... I don't think they can do it with Shea around. If, you, if Dort ever comes back, the whole thing totally comes apart. Okay, flip back to Friday. Sorry. Indiana! This is a really interesting game. How do we prepare for this one? Malcolm Brogdon sounds like he's going to play... What does that do to Chris Duarte? I'm not that worried about Tyrese Halliburton. You know, he'll sacrifice some touches here and there, but he's going to be great, and Brogdon's not going to play in every game the rest of the way anyway. But here's the thing. In the games when Brogdon's out, Duarte's definitely a start. The question is, how bad is Duarte going to be when Brogdon is in? How much of a hit does he take? Does it turn out where Duarte averages out the Brogdon in, Brogdon out games to, like, right around 120 or at 80, I actually don't know. But we're going to find out. This is part of it. Don't preemptively drop Chris Duarte either if he has a bad ball game here. I think we really need to see what Indiana's going to be doing with Malcolm Brogdon before you punt on someone who, you know, up until a couple days ago when it was like, oh, by the way, Malcolm's actually going to give it a go. Duarte had a pretty good path to value. Meanwhile, over in the big man ranks... Isaiah Jackson sounds like he's coming back, and I got to think they're going to give him somewhere between 22 and 25 minutes, and that's actually enough. He's got a great fantasy game, terrific fantasy game. Still no Miles Turner, which means that we're trying to figure out who the other guys might be. Is Jalen Smith going to soak up the other minutes? Is it going to continue to be O'Shea Brissett, Terry Taylor? Who is the other guy? in Indiana. And I think we'll know by halftime of this game, which is, I mean, seriously, put this game on your homework board. Indiana in particular is a serious homework team with Brogdon coming back. And then Miles Turner apparently trying to get back in like the next two weeks, two to three weeks. Can't worry about that right now, though. Toronto is another team I'm extremely interested in over the weekend. Thad Young just had a whole week to read the Toronto playbook. He could just sit at home on his couch looking at all the plays. I know it's not a book anymore. I'm sure it's an iPad filled with uh, movement of everybody on the team with, like, a green illuminated Precious Achua on the screen that's like, Thad, this could be you. Superimposed Thad's head on Precious's body so he can run all the plays that way. Uh, if Thad Young's going to get 20 minutes for that Toronto team, he deserves a spot on fantasy teams because... Him playing with good players around him, he can go to that point Thad from time to time, and then it steals a plenty. Very curious. And what does that do to Chris Boucher? That's another angle in all of this. Sounds like Freddie Van Fleet's going to play, by the way. He's going to be on and off the rest of the season because of the knee stuff. Let's just pray that everybody else stays mostly healthy. Not much to go on with Charlotte. Gordon Hayward's still not back, so I think all three big men are in play with Montrez and P.J., the favored among them from a fantasy standpoint. Houston in Orlando. Uh, the Rockets, what are they actually going to do out there? Sounds like Dennis Schroder is going to play out the string in Houston. He'll be backing up Kevin Porter Jr. when KPJ's playing. Can Kevin take a step forward the rest of this year, or is he going to shoot 50% at the free throw line? He may shoot better from the field than he does at the line. Has been for about two weeks now. Weird little twist. Does Alperin Sengun get back into the mix? Why is Eric Gordon continuing to play in non-back-to-backs? Nobody really knows, but that's what the Rockets are doing down the stretch right now, and we'll just kind of roll with it. Although for the moment, that means you can kind of only roster or start Christian Wood. Yeah, team's been a little bit of a struggle. Orlando side, I really do think Jalen Suggs is set to make a a, a pretty good run here. I like Cole Anthony as well. Wendell Carter Jr., yeah. I haven't punted on Mo Bamba. I'm I'm sticking with him a bit longer here. Chumo Kiki, also solid. Franz Wagner. Orlando ended up with a lot of fantasy plays this year, but I don't think there's a ton of question marks. No massive question marks in Miami. A couple of question marks in New York. Derrick Rose is doubtful, but he's getting close. Kemba Walker is shut down for the season, which means Alec Burks has a narrow window here. He may continue to start even after Rose comes back. Uh, but I don't know if there's going to be enough for Burks at that point. Because he's playing poorly, then Rose will just come on and play 25 minutes and Burks will get 22 and change, whatever it is. Uh, but for right now, I think you could probably stream Alec Burks and you know go until the wheels come off, which is going to be relatively soon. The wheels are wobbling already. Philly at Minnesota. That should be a really interesting Philly side game. If James Harden's playing... I think he's supposed to, as far as we know. Minnesota, we already talked about. Dallas, I think we know what's up with Dallas. I am a bit curious what Reggie Bullock's job is going to be when he comes back, dealt with the injury prior to the All-Star break. I'm assuming he'll be okay here coming out of it. I don't think Spencer Dinwiddie's going to get on the radar. Utah's pretty straightforward. They should be now mostly healthy out of the break. Pelicans are interesting. What is Jackson Hayes going to be the rest of the way? That's the big question mark out there. Devontae Graham off the bench. Very much a droppable player. Clippers, Lakers. Clippers is a bunch of hot hand stuff. That's the story there. Lakers without Anthony Davis. Carmelo Anthony, he's probable. Get him in. Fire him up. I mean, we'll watch to see. I'm curious to see if Malik Monk is starting or coming off the bench. If he's starting, I think you need to have him on your roster. If he's coming off the bench, I don't think you do. And I think the only team that didn't play the first two days out of the All Star break is Milwaukee. If I'm remembering that right, feels like it should be two teams though. Who am I forgetting? I'm screwing something up, and apologies in advance. I don't know why I can't figure this out. Um, I have no thoughts on the Bucks anyway, so who cares? I mean, that's if that's <laughs> they. We know what they are. And with a week of rest under their belt, it it makes it even easier as well. So this is what we're looking for. This is the prep. Washington, could anything emerge there? Indiana is something where you might need to be making a move mid-ball game. I'm talking about tonight, Friday night. Toronto, you might be making a move mid-ball game. Dallas, maybe a drop mid-game. Lakers, you might be making a move as soon as you see the starting lineup, so right before tip. New Orleans... Maybe even the Clippers. I don't know. I I can't bring myself to trust a lot of those guys. But that's a lot of teams tonight over the weekend that might force us to make fantasy moves. That's a lot. I want you guys lasered in. Don't take the weekend off. You got a whole week off. This is when it's time to hunker down, make your moves for the stretch run. You can do it. We can do it. But the best way to do it is aerodynamically. And the best way to be aerodynamic is to get rid of all that unsightly hair. With our pals at Manscaped.com, use promo code ETHOS20 to get 20% off and free shipping on your order at Manscaped.com. Oh, yes, the lawnmower 3.0. Mow that disgusting lawn. Get it off your face, your neck, your back, your chest, your legs. I don't care. Shave whatever the hell you want. It's up to you. You can do it all with Manscaped. Pinch-free technology, a built-in LED light, waterproof technology in the 4.0, charging dock for the 4.0, or get yourself some lip balm, nail kit, whatever it is you want. Manscaped has it, male grooming. Redefined Ethos 20, 20% off free shipping. Go get something here before the month of February is done. So that way Manscaped is like, Dan, your listeners went nuts with grooming at the end of February. You'll love it, man. They they just put out a good product. I am really, I'm just continue to be very happy that they're, they've been with us for not that far from two years working with Manscaped. That's a long time to have one partner in the podcasting game. By the way, word did drop that uh, Shay is going to play in the back-to-back, by the way. So you can put that one on the table as well. All right. That's that. Have a great weekend, everybody. Please do follow me on Twitter and drop a five-star review on the podcast. Uh, if you have questions, you can hit me with them. I'm way behind on answering Twitter questions, but I'll try to do my best to catch up somehow. There's a lot of catch-up this week. Some big projects we're starting over here at Sports Ethos as well. But you guys don't care about that. You just want results. So that's what we shall do. I am at Dan Vespers. I am also just Dan Vespers And you are my favorite listeners. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you Monday. Reverse chronological lightning round on the other side of the turn. So long.